Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's the Autosport Podcast. What does F1 form man Daniel Ricciardo's future hold? And can Honda prove itself worthy of Red Bull? future of Formula One's form man, Daniel Ricciardo, is still up in the air. He's out of contract at the end of the year, and the next few weeks, maybe a couple of months, are going to be crucial in deciding where he's going to be racing next year, and there's lots of factors connected to that that are really starting to come to the boil at the Canadian Grand Prix this weekend, so there's plenty for us to talk about when it comes to that. I'm your host, Ed Straw, and joining me first is Ben Anderson. Now, Ben, Daniel Ricciardo is one of the main topics of this podcast. He's obviously a driver you followed closely for many years. I believe you covered British Formula 3 when he won it back in 2009. Are you surprised to see him emerging as a Monaco Grand Prix winner, having all this success, or were you always anticipating he'd be, he'd be this good? Well, it's easy to, to look expert in hindsight, isn't it? But he, he did have something special about him in that season. Red Bull thought so, Carlin thought so, and everything he's done since 2009 yeah, supports the theory that was, he was going to be a top driver, um, particularly in terms of his mentality, which was massively on show in Monaco in the way he dealt with his problems. Um, yeah, he's, it's, it's great to see him become the form man of, of Formula 1 again after a rough patch last season. My second guest is Glenn Freeman. Now, you're making your podcast return. You've been quite a long time on the bench not being able to get your way into the match day squad 
and, and I think it's a good time for you because obviously you're making your Canadian Grand Prix return this weekend. Yep, off to Canada for uh, one of the best Grand Prix of the year. I'm certainly uh, delighted. Whenever the opportunity comes up for a race and you find out it's Canada, it's like, yes, I don't need to think about that. I'm on my way. And uh, yep, delighted to be back on the podcast as well, Ed, uh, with none of your usual guests available. So uh, I'm all you could find out in the office today. Proper Z team. Exactly. Well, I'm just quite pleased that Glenn's going to the Canadian Grand Prix, not as a result of the fact I can't walk, which is what happened <laughs> last why time. why I went last time, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, well, we've still got uh, a few more hours before we depart. So, uh, who knows what may happen in the, <laughs> in the interim. Right, let's get on to the, the matter at hand. Daniel Ricciardo, out of contract. Red Bull wants to sign into a new deal. He obviously wants the best possible deal for himself in terms of fighting for the World Championship. Ben, can you just lay out the contract landscape for Ricardo and what he's looking for? The contract situation is that, well, two out of the six biggest seats in Formula 1 are, are taken. Vettel has a contract, I think, until the end of 2020, and so does Ricardo's teammate, Max Verstappen. Other than that, as things stand, the top seats are available. Mercedes are expected to do another deal with Lewis Hamilton, but that's yet to be announced. Both Toto Wolff and Lewis Hamilton have said it'll happen, but so it was that meant should happen, but you never know. Should happen, but they were saying it would be done before Australia, and now obviously we're about to go to Canada, and it's still not been. Yeah, that, there's no hurry so, now. No, no. Earlier hurry in now. the year, they're about to do massive it. Now hurry, there's no yeah. hurry. So <laughs> it's, it's not very important to sign up your star asset, obviously. No, absolutely. And I think that is that is quite important, and we'll get to that. The, the second seat is more open. Bottas is on a Valtteri Bottas is on a one-year deal again. Um, there's eyes on Esteban Ocon, obviously, as a Mercedes junior and knocking on the door. Ferrari, um, Kimi Raikkonen is on a one-year ticket and we're not sure if he'll do well enough this year to deserve another one or whether they'll look elsewhere. Uh, and He's then, been getting them up to now when he hasn't deserved them. Yeah, absolutely. And he's probably more deserving than ever. So we expect, obviously, that in this weird time loop that Raikkonen will be re-signed, whatever happens. So Ferrari, probably not an option. And then, of course, there's Ricardo's own seat at Red Bull, um, as you say, Red Bull want to re-sign him, his contract's up. He is at the stage of his career where if he wants to win a world championship or two, at least the next deal he signs is massively important because he's closer to the end of his career than he is the beginning. So that's where we are. A lot of talk pre-season that, well, there could be options for him to go to Mercedes or Ferrari. Those rumours keep circulating, but probably ultimately it looks like his best bet is to stay put at Red Bull, they have one of the best cars on the grid, if not the best car. Question mark, of course, is the engine situation as it has been perennially since Ricardo joined that team. They've got eyes on Honda. Big upgrades planned for this weekend in, in Canada for Honda and Renault. And Red Bull have been saying, well, this is the point at which they will judge which engine is the best one for them to have next season. And I think Ricardo is probably waiting on that same decision he's looking at that thinking well I'm in the best car I've just won the Monaco Grand Prix even with an engine that was down on power following MGK failure why would I want to give this up well the only reason he would is if the engine's not good enough and if Red Bull can decide that Honda is the engine to go for next year and it is more reliable potentially more powerful than the Renault engine and they can convince Ricardo that that's the case then I think he will resign. I think Ben's just completed your podcast, Ed, in about, what, three minutes or however long that took. Oh, <laughs> You're so, welcome. There's so much more in there. But one thing I do want to pick up on that you said, Ben, and perhaps we'll throw this to Glenn, is you say that he probably should stay at, at Red Bull. But it's not, while I agree, it, it is more likely he'll have to stay there. It's not like there's a clear opportunity anywhere else. Well, I think the key word there was 
key words. We have to. It doesn't necessarily feel like Ricardo's got his pick of all the drives right now. I think at Mercedes, really, there's only an opportunity if it, there's some sort of shock Lewis Hamilton retirement, which could happen one day. I think Lewis is going to be one of those drivers who will just decide one day he's had enough, uh, much like Nico Rosberg did in the end. You know, Rosberg had a contract and didn't fancy it and got out of it. Um, I can't see Ricardo going in there alongside Hamilton. I think Mercedes have maybe quite liked having a driver lineup after the Hamilton-Rosberg era, a driver lineup that keeps the peace. So whether that means Bottas stays or, as Ben mentioned, Ocon could go in there. You know, he's more and more looking like the superstar that I think many people have thought he was since the junior ranks. Um, and then Ferrari, I just I can't see Vettel, who, as Ben said, is under contract, ever agreeing to have the guy who trounced him at Red Bull and won all the races for the team that season when Vettel had a winless season. I can't see him agreeing to having Ricardo in. You know, we know that really one of the reasons Raikkonen keeps getting his stay of execution at Ferrari is because Vettel's happy having a guy alongside him who's not quite quick enough and doesn't cause any problems behind the scenes. It's been interesting to see how Ricardo has tackled this because he was very happy to answer questions about his future and the fact he was out of contract in the early stages of the season. And I think there was kind of the equivalent of the come and get me plea. He was trying to tease out of Mercedes or Ferrari a possible opportunity to see how serious they are because he, he wants to be in a championship winning car. I'm sure he'd love to be in a championship winning Red Bull. But if you're offered a Mercedes drive or Ferrari drive, you might look at it and think, actually, do you know, that's, that's stronger. But from my understanding, there's been a little bit of interest from Ferrari, not quite as strong as some people have made out. Mercedes are basically saying to everyone, yeah, just wait. And this includes drivers like Fernando Alonso, who've inquired, basically saying, right, just wait and let's, we'll sort out Lewis, then we'll come to you. But I think everybody expects them to stick with the kind of outline they've got Glenn with Hamilton and Bottas or if they were to change it I think they'd be wary about having two top drivers who might clash the Bottas-Hamilton dynamic is very good they don't want to risk the chemistry do they exactly and Bottas has also been driving driving well this season he could easily have two or even even three wins this year if things had gone a little bit differently and he had a little bit less misfortune at, at key moments but I think the fact that Ricardo has struggled to tease out anything solid means that he's leaning towards Red Bull again and Red Bull applying the pressure on and saying, look, we're not going to wait forever. And, you know, do you really want to go to Ferrari and be Vettel's number two? You know, are you really going to go to Mercedes? Do you think that's going to happen? So they're trying to sort of put the squeeze on because yeah. they want to get him him signed up. Well, Red Bull's hand is strengthening, isn't it? Because, yeah. because that interest doesn't really seem to be there and because nobody else, be it Renault or McLaren in the midfield, appears to be on an aggressive enough upward trajectory to make you think, right, I can, I can get on that one and that those guys are going to surpass Red Bull. That, that's not really happening at the moment. You'd, you'd be playing an incredibly long game to go with someone else. So it is narrowing down his options and really weakening his negotiating position with Red Bull, potentially. Yeah, it's ring-fenced at the top, isn't it? But I suppose the only thing that does carry in Ricardo's favour is how poor Max Verstappen has been at the start of this season. If you're Red Bull, you can't rely yet on Max, as Gary Anderson said in a recent Autosport column, that he's not a team leader, he's not mature enough. They were probably expecting, after doing that new deal at the end of last season, that he was, and he hasn't been. So Red Bull do need Ricardo, even if they're trying to play hardball in the negotiations. But ultimately, Ricardo, even though he's the form man, his options are limited. If he can 
go to Mercedes or Ferrari, it's out of his hands. He can't really he can't really do much more. Ferrari seem like they're not really willing to go out and pay big bucks for another driver anyway. They've got Raikkonen on a leash. He's driving well enough for them to keep him. And if they want to replace him, it seems like they're grooming Leclerc to do that at some point. So they've got... He is the man who should get that drive next as well. Yeah, absolutely. And whether that's next year or the year after, it seems like only a matter of time. So Ferrari is kind of ring-fenced despite what the... The, the rumours say and Mercedes it feels like well really maybe there's a, a, a negotiating strategy going on there around Ricardo that that helps Hamilton maybe Lewis is is trying to squeeze a bit more money out of Mercedes and they're saying well if you don't sign the deal we put in front of you then we'll go after Ricardo so maybe Lewis is waiting to see what Ricardo does and once Ricardo recommits to Red Bull which seems like the most likely outcome then he can say well who else are you going to take you're going to take me aren't you so I'll, I'll have what I want thank you very much and that's everything wrapped up for 2019. Yeah I think you have to also be careful if you're in Ricardo's position you can't make everybody wait forever and you will have people trying to kind of force you into something. Red Bull of course do have Carlos Sainz Jr waiting in the rings he's still under contract to them so they could slot him in and although we've not seen science right at the very front of a Formula 1 field he's proved everything he possibly can he's made the switch to Renault well hasn't he yeah yeah he's and he's settled in well and, and uh, slightly shaky start to the season but now he's got the car working the way he wants it absolutely flying so they've at least got a, a good fallback option and also Pierre Gasly and Toro Rosso is also doing well so there's a couple of viable options there I'm sure science would be well up, well up the queue but if you're Ricardo. I don't think it's that important to him to get a vast paycheck. I'm sure he wants some kind of rise, given what Verstappen's being paid. It would be only fair. He's been one of the standout drivers of this season. He's won two of the six races. So that might be a little bit of a part of it. But I think it does all come down to the engine decision. That's the thing that Ricardo's waiting to see what happens. He may have to stay anyway. But if Honda with the Montreal upgrade, which is about 27 brake horsepower, plus some other associated gains. You know, you're talking there multiple tenths of a second. It's not like just like a tenth. It's, it's you know, three a fifth tenths. of an MG UK. Yeah, it could, <laughs> could easily be like three tenths, four tenths maybe. Renault's also got an upgrade, but everyone keeps saying that's fairly small. So you might be talking about a tenth here or there, which is good. But what Red Bull are waiting for is for Honda to show with this upgrade that they can do what they haven't always done, which is deliver what was promised. Now, Ben, you've followed Honda very closely over the past few years and their tendency to say, right, this is what this is going to do. Then they deploy the upgrade and it's not quite working in the real world. So how confident are you that Honda will will deliver? It's a difficult one. I I feel perhaps more confident in Honda now. Um, I think based on last season, they didn't really know know where they were and didn't show any signs of having proper understanding and they they seem to be on this kind of sine wave of progress progress then massive dip and then they progress, were under progress, so much pressure though dip. as well weren't they yeah, mclaren were constantly throwing them under the bus yeah they were and but i do remember doing an interview with the former project leader yasuki asagawa at the end of last season he said the concept they introduced for the start of 17 which is more the mercedes style split turbine compressor layout was the right one they wish they'd had that one earlier in the program, but they were they were learning about how that concept worked, and obviously with the packaging limitations that McLaren imposed on them, I think now we're starting to see that they have got more on top of that idea and that layout and how to to get the most out of it. Still, some signs that they don't quite know. We saw Torres have an amazing performance in Bahrain, where it's, it seems like they got the energy management strategy in terms of deployment spot on, and they haven't been able to replicate that kind of strategy elsewhere they went to Baku and really struggled so there's still operational problems for Honda but 
development does seem to have settled down a bit. Their understanding of the engine layout and architecture seems to be better. It's just whether there's enough development potential in the concept they now have or whether they're going to have to do another new one for when potentially Red Bull arrives. It seems when they introduce a lot of change, they struggle. They take a step back and it takes them a long time to, to get the most out of it. Um, so that's the gamble, really, for Red Bull. It's, are, are Honda properly on the right path now? And it's just a case of them continuing that trajectory, or is there more, more trouble ahead? Obviously, we're looking at it from a point of view of Ricardo's going to be waiting to see what Red Bull are going to do with their engine before he makes a decision. But Red Bull was saying at the last race in Monaco that the engine is their priority before they want to sort out Ricardo's contract anyway. You know, I think Red Bull know that the biggest issue they've got to get to the bottom of is what on earth do we stick behind the driver because we've been having a nightmare since 2014 with Renault engines. Are Renault ever going to turn it around? I think the fact that they're both bringing upgrades to Canada is really interesting and Red Bull have said we are going to, well, they've hinted that they're going to look at the relative performance of those two upgrades, even if Honda's is expected to be much bigger. But I think that says it all for Red Bull that, the engine is still the priority over Ricardo, and we're talking about Ricardo as the, the sort of kingpin on the driver market uh, in, in the driver market at the moment. But this engine issue is just been going on for so long, and there's no obvious right answer for Red Bull. So they could still get it wrong, whatever they decide. And basing it on Canada is is not going to be a slam dunk because, as we've seen. Honda and Torosso can have a good race and not really know why it was any good and then have three not-so-good races. And I think that's that there's so much risk at play here for Red Bull, and it's, it's a horrible situation almost. Yeah, Honda could introduce an upgrade that is the right thing. It just doesn't work initially, and it could or be it could four races up. down the yeah, line. There are times where they, they find a performance gain and all the reliability they've built up just Goes, falls away. Yeah, so that could yeah. easily happen. You know, we could that engine could run on Friday and you go, look at them in the speed traps. This is more like it. And then by Saturday morning, they're changing those oh, parts because yeah, they've the broken tur- it yeah, This is the fourth turbo over the year. Oh, what have we done? Disaster. The mindset Red Bull has got is they want to see confirmation that the progress is real. They will have all the data they possibly need about the two engines. Obviously, they've run the Renault engine from the start of this era. Toro Rosso knows everything you could possibly know about the Honda and Red Bull. Obviously, have had dealings directly with both Toro Rosso and, and Honda to look at this possibility. So... I think their mindset will be, if this performs as expected, it gives the performance they're promising, if it works reasonably well and there's not some fundamental reliability problem, I think that's the point where they say, right, I think we're probably ready to go for this. If if Honda delivers half of what's expected or things aren't working, they might have to give it a few more races to really understand it and that might delay things further. But I think Red Bull's mindset is, do you know what, Renault we, we want away from if we've got a viable alternative. I think Honda just has to show that they've got a clue about their upgrades. And remember, it's not like Renault are delivering upgrades particularly effectively. They've got an MG UK that was meant to be on the car from the start of last season that still isn't on the car and won't be on the car in Canada because they can't get it reliable and not weighing ridiculous ridiculous amounts. And the current one's breaking. Yeah, and the current one's <laughs> reliable. So while you wouldn't just part company with Renault just like that, I think the bar for what Honda has to show is that they actually get what they're doing and their their predictions match with expectations. I think if that happens, then we're in business. Yeah, I think it's really important what you say there, Ed, actually, that providing they deliver what they are predicting, which we've, we've hardly ever seen since Honda's return uh, during the McLaren years, it's not actually about being in Canada with an engine that's faster than the Renault or, or, or makes this big 
you know, it doesn't really matter where they fit in the pecking order this weekend. It's just that if you can, if you can map out a plan for a big upgrade and then you're capable of doing that, then that suggests you're finally going in the right direction and that the next big upgrade you're going to work on, now you know what all the processes are and how, how to make it work. So Red Bull are really going to be judging a trajectory rather than out-and-out performance in Canada, aren't they? Yeah, and, and understanding of the processes and the proving and that they've done all the right steps. There's not a sudden problem with a component that they haven't allowed for that sets everything back. And Honda have had those problems in the past. This season looks a bit calmer, but then, of course, they're operating much less in the limelight than they were but ultimately you you touched on this earlier Honda are the key to the driver market really aren't they because Ricardo and Red Bull are aligned in the sense that they're both waiting on this weekend's upgrade decision on how good Honda are looking for next year and ultimately if Red Bull make the call to go with Honda that will ultimately affect the decision that Ricardo makes in terms of whether he re-signs or tries to look for a drive elsewhere. I think the the funny thing is it won't necessarily affect the final destination for Ricardo because I think he's most likely to stay at Red Bull anyway. But I think it that would create the conditions for Ricardo to sign up earlier than he might otherwise do. Yeah. Because he he can sit there thinking, well actually I can spin it out a bit, you know, because Red Bull will want to keep me. They won't want to disrupt what's going on, particularly with what Verstappen's doing. But at least if they could say, look, the Honda's working here's the next steps we're expecting, here's where we expect to be at the start of next season. He might say, do you know what? I'm not going to hang around. I'm just going to bank it. I'm going to sign on the dotted line and commit. Because Red Bull, although they're more focused on the engine, they would have signed Ricardo by now if they could. They have tried to. Yeah, they but, wanted to, didn't they? Yeah, so yeah. Ricardo's just just playing it sensibly because if you could get into a Mercedes or a Ferrari, you'd, you'd want to. But yeah, if if the, the Red Bull Honda project starts to become a, a, a reality based on this upgrade, I think that's when Ricardo will sit down and think, actually, do you know what? I'm not going to leave myself exposed by by leaving myself out there because you never know what might happen. Yeah. Drivers and drivers have thought they've been in impregnable positions. And then they're not. And then suddenly they're not. The classic example was John Watson not re-signing with McLaren when yeah. he had the chance. Alan Prost fell out with Renault and suddenly... Yeah, John Watson's louder, louder John was Watson's saying, you should re-sign, yeah. you should re-sign, mainly because he had him covered and wanted him as an easy teammate. <laughs> but nevertheless, he didn't, and then he ended up without a seat. And then that's the end of John Watson's but it's also, career, effectively. You know, a recent example, not as extreme as that, but it is, it is possible for a driver to run out of options at the front of the grid. Just look at Fernando Alonso. You know, how has Fernando Alonso spent so much of his career in bad or not good, well, at least not good enough cars, but arguably some bad ones, when, and you compare that to someone like Lewis Hamilton, who's made one move during his career and he timed the step from McLaren to the Mercedes works team exactly the right point. And Hamilton's racking up all kinds of records and, you know, needs more and more trophy cabinets. And Alonso's sitting there and like these records are getting longer and longer since his last win, last podium, last pole position. It's it's crazy. And there is a there is a warning there for Ricardo. It's it's very unlikely that Red Bull are gonna go, you know what, we've had enough of this, we'll take science. And then he does end up in a in a middling car, but, but it's possible. Yeah, it comes back to Ed's original point that there is no such thing as an impregnable position, and Fernando Alonso is living, breathing proof of that. Yeah. I think at the moment. But ultimately, Red Bull and Ricardo can both hide behind the engine situation at the moment. So no, Red Bull is saying, "Well, we we don't know what we're going to do yet. We're going to wait and see how Canada goes." Ricardo can justifiably say, "Well, I'm not going to make a decision till I know what you're doing about the engine," because Monaco race he ultimately won sums up the whole problem in microcosm doesn't it you've got the best car on the grid at that race ricardo cruising it at the front everything's under control and the engine 
lets him down and almost spoils the whole thing. So the engine is the big problem for both of them. If you removed Renault as a problematic factor, I think it would be a, a slam dunk. Ricardo would re-sign straight away because he would know that team and that car is capable of fighting for the title. The other concern with, with Renault is they've put this huge investment into the works team. Enstone is going to be their primary focus. They are spending a lot of money on improving the facilities, recruiting more people, trying to build that up into being a top three team rather than at the front of the midfield. So if you're Red Bull, you'd be looking at that thinking, well, actually, once we were kind of de facto Renault works team, but we're, we're not really anymore. Renault... Not even favoured customer, really, exactly. given well, the history now. Renault would rather not supply Red Bull, which is why we keep hearing these comments being made by Cyril Abitable about deadlines, etc., this, that and the other. Hurry Red, up and get out. Red Bull ultimately... <laughs> are quite confident with the deal they've got, whatever happens, that if they want a, Red, a Renault engine next year, they, they've got it because Renault did have to give certain assurances. But I think what Red, Red Bull will just be thinking, we'll only take Renault if it's the only viable option. At least we can win the odd race with it. That's, that's something. But wouldn't it be brilliant for Formula 1 if we could have Mercedes, Ferrari, and then Red Bull, Honda, Adrian Newey design car, Verstappen and Ricardo in that as part of that, that elite. And then ideally, if Renault get their act together, you've got the works team that, has this realistic aspiration to bridge to the top three, even though that's that's still a quite a long step. You could have a really really nice setup for a, a big a big battle at the front. You'd have McLaren there as well if they were ever as good as they say they are. Yeah, McLaren I think now are, are setting their sights more on twenty twenty one. I think they've they've realised that there are things they need to focus to get their own house in order for them to be good enough because they said Red Bull's their benchmark this year and. It's not looking They're good miles for off. But then but both teams, Red Bull and McLaren, have inherited each other's problems, haven't they, to a certain extent? And McLaren are now realising that Renault isn't the answer to all ills because their own car isn't as good as they thought it was and their own development path isn't quite right. And Red Bull are potentially taking a massive gamble on the, the one thing that caused so much pain It was classic grass is greener syndrome, wasn't it? Yeah, they were both absolutely. looking across at each other going... Well, we're fed up with our engine. Yeah. Uh, that one can't be as bad. Exactly. They were yeah. both, both in the same boat. And I think the big thing is that Red Bull have so often talked about, much like McLaren, they've talked about their, the engine holding them back. McLaren were doing that as well. We get to a circuit where it's not about engine power and Monaco. Red Bull should have locked out the front row, um, won the race, could have had a 1-2 if Verstappen hadn't put it in the barriers. McLaren where they always are. Yeah. Back end of the top 10, you know, seven, same eight, as they nine, were with ten. Honda. Exactly. And the same as they've been at the other races. So you've got Red Bull, who I think have been guilty in the past of talking too good a game about their own car to try and do down their engine manufacturer. The Red Bull has not always been the best chassis through this V6 hybrid turbo. Not at all. No. no it's, it's fluctuated as well. That's the thing. But, you know, the, the key thing here, I think, is. is it goes back to the engine partnership. Like the works teams, Mercedes and Ferrari, they have that seamless link between the engine department and the chassis department that Red Bull and McLaren now don't have. And there's a difference between being having a transaction as a customer and being a proper partner. I think Red Bull once were a proper partner of Renault, but that's soured over the current rules, the hybrids and things not going as well as everyone expected. McLaren had that same same experience in accelerated timeline with Honda and ultimately if you do that kind of damage however it's done and whoever's fault it is it's very hard to get back the the chemistry that you had before so you almost have to switch I mean ultimately Red Bull would really want a Mercedes engine in the back of their car wouldn't they because well they've then, tried <laughs> yeah they've tried and failed and they've they've even had a bit of a nibble to then get a Ferrari but, but you know I don't think they're ever going to get 
or even feel like they're going to get the ultimate from Renault. And you mentioned the works team being an extra distraction. McLaren, even if the Honda engine is better than the Renault now, the re- relationship was so broken, they weren't going to trust in, trust in Honda anyway. So ultimately, Red Bull can either just stick it out with Renault and hope it comes good, or really, it's almost like their only choice is to gamble on Honda and just hope that they can form the kind of relationship that McLaren couldn't. Honda have just got to show that they're not a shambles, that they're not the shambles they have been at times that they're not the shambles that they look like with McLaren. If they can do that with the upgrades, then probably it's it's deal done because even setting aside the, the competitive picture, they're getting rid of Renault, there's great financial possibilities from that for, for the Red Bull team. And as was pointed out, the ability to work with an engine supplier on terms of the packaging and make the compromises have a more a wider look at the the car rather than just sticking the engine effectively as a as a black box and just having that that relationship and what red bull want more than anything is they want performance that's what they talk about they say right the important thing is we want the performance on the other the other side but, of it but is, reliability is really important too well, you, both, reliabil- both renault and honda already have changed turbos on their different cars haven't they in yeah the well first that's half a dozen races and so ultimately whatever happens with the upgrades that's a big question mark over the whole thing if red bull switch from renault to honda and they have a better partner a better relationship they have a bit more influence but ultimately the thing still breaks down too often they're not really any better off than they are now no that's absolutely true but i think that it doesn't need to be bulletproof at this stage i think they want to see that the performance can be added which is what Renault is struggling a little bit a little is it bit a bit do. like the the driver analogy where you can you can calm down a fast driver who crashes too much is a feeling that you can make a quick engine reliable but you can't necessarily make a, a slow reliable engine uh, you can't add performance to it quite so easily. Potentially, although I think it's—I think the driver challenge is probably slightly easier than that. I think it depends. It does depend what your reliability problems are caused by, because there can be all manner of reasons. It can be manufacturing, it can be design, it can be operation. And you have so to know what they are. As you well, have to which really. It's been one of the Honda problems. Hasn't it, it? And, and, exactly, it's all about understanding. And it could be packaging as well, as you as you mentioned. That, you know, Renault is focused on itself and its own team, and its its engine will be designed and integrated into its own car and all the cooling requirements that go around that whereas red bull we know they're quite aggressive on their aerodynamic well, setup so maybe they, they create problems inadvertently by trying to to find chassis performance that negatively affects the engine with honda at least as a proper partner they could work on those two things in theory together well i know that when the red bull broke cover with those narrow side pods there were people at enstone who were looking at thinking how the hell have you done that because they know what the cooling demands are of the yeah. engine. They know and then, but then, they're, they're kind of in awe of that, but it seems to work right. There is a bit of a feeling in Renault that Red Bull does push its power units a bit harder than maybe it should. But well, the MGUK overheated in Monaco, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, you, yeah. Immediately so, you think, well, there's got to be something to do with the packaging around that. can't just be a shonky Renault yeah, that, MGUK. Yeah, that, that's an element, and you could end up with... Honda being in the same position they had with McLaren, you know, the famous yeah. first McLaren Honda size zero. in 2015, the size zero car that, that caused problems. The, the one thing we also have to remember with the gamble for, for Red Bull with taking Honda is there is this opportunity to have a short-term gamble in that you've got 19 and 20, and then we've got new everything for 2021. And my understanding is that Red Bull could just take Honda for those couple of years. So they might think, well, do you know what? We can take this gamble. I mean, we know we're worse off. So we know worse well. off. And maybe there's some other engine manufacturer for 2021 that could be in the pipeline. So they, that gives them other other options. But We'd sure. work help if Andy Howe gets his way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think the, the key is, I, I'm not, I think Red Bull's judgment should be fairly sound on this. I think they are willing to just say, do you know what? We've got to go with Renault. Sure, they're hoping Honda's going to do what? 
what it should do. But if it doesn't, I don't think they'll be hoodwinked into into parting company with with Renault just like that. Otherwise, they'd have done it by now because they've got first hand experience as well. I think yeah. if if the Honda was still in the back of the McLaren, they're having to look on from afar a little bit, having to believe what they're being told, but they are seeing it all through the tie-up with Toro Rosso. So well, they, they've, got, they've got real experience, real data. They, they've, they've got a lot to go on here. Well, it's interesting. Um, I'm doing an interview with James Key, the technical director at Toro Rosso earlier in the year, and I asked him about it, and he said, well, our performance analysis last year, looking at the data, etc., we thought the Honda was a little bit stronger than maybe it, it appeared to be. But we didn't really know until we actually got hold of it and put it in the car and ran it. And so so there, was, there was a little though, bit of it? concern there, but... What Red Bull has got is all the answers, though, because Red Bull effectively has got a Honda F1 engine because Tom Rosso's yeah. got it. Yeah, this was a point I was going to make earlier. We were talking about the McLaren not being up to scratch this year. I think in some ways that's that's starting to repair Honda's reputation because we we spent so long in the last couple of years being told that the best chassis on the grid was being held back by this terrible Japanese engine. Now people have seen where the McLaren is relative to a Red Bull and to a works Renault. I think that that, that is starting to make people go well it wasn't all honda's fault last year so there's just a little bit of, of, of sort of repair work has already started going on with their um you know with their reputation and i think that's why it's interesting what you said james key said that actually the engine wasn't as bad as everybody thought it was i think there's a caveat there though and that's that the 2017 honda engine to start with was terrible it was shaking too much it was braking it had no drivability you could see alonso and vandor well, struggling to get alonso the power down. alonso so had one in that amazon documentary he had one four letter word to describe it that he kept using on the yeah. radio didn't he and then yeah. it seemed fair at that point. and it did look and the whole thing looked horrible on track and yeah, testing really, didn't it? When really, we all watched in barcelona and really hard to drive and in bahrain we tried i remember trying to ask alonso and vandor about the drivability because that looked like the biggest fundamental problem regardless of things breaking and they just refused to talk about it It was that bad so the the engine that then Toro Rosso will have started using won't have been to that spec Honda spent a lot of time working on that they changed the air intake they tried to get the power more under control they realized that their their power band was in the wrong place so it's not really directly comparable I mean Toro Rosso I think have said more than once that the drivability seems quite good on the engine and maybe better than the Renault it's probably a sign of the progress that Honda have been making since that awful start to 2017. And you could say, well, McLaren, in hindsight, have made a bad call and they should have stuck it out, but they were, I think they were so broken by the start of 2017. It was so bad at that time that I think it was, with the information they had at their disposal, that was still the right decision. And for, yeah, and I think they probably will also imagine, well, okay, so even if Honda does get on top of this concept during this year and it goes a bit better next year what about the next big change will we just go back down into an early 2017 hell if we stick this out and of course Red Bull Toro Rosso they haven't experienced that yet with Honda so you can kind of see it from both sides I think the bottom line for Red Bull is they're still choosing between what are currently the third and fourth best engine packages in Formula 1 and that's an unfortunate situation for them to be intensely uh, intensely frustrating but yeah it'd be interesting to see what, what Honda can come up with and I think if they're if the reality can match their expectations, that's a big tick in the box for them that suggests they can maybe do it. But they, we do need to see that package, that Honda Toro Rosso performing consistently because Bahrain's a funny circuit. It's a, it is sort of an engine track, but it's not an engine track in a conventional sense because you know if you can get the punch off the corners, you've got four reasonably length straights, but it doesn't. They're not that long the straights. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It, it, it pri- few corners that are kind of exactly. extending the straights. Well, it kind of it privileges a bit of bottom end, and you're not 
struggling so much if the top end's weak, etc. And if you've got deployment problems, it's not necessarily quite such a concern. So it's it's an unusual kind of circuit. But what that did show is that the Honda package is good in certain areas. So they need to make it a more rounded proposition uh, overall. So, so just coming back to where we were talking about in the driver market. So we think, if we have to make our predictions now, are we expecting the top three teams to, to stay the same? Yeah, I think so. I think Ricardo will only go to Mercedes if Lewis isn't re-signed for some, you know, shocking reason that we don't know about. Otherwise, it's going to be Hamilton, one of Bottas slash Ocon, but probably Bottas the way he's been driving this year. Vettel obviously locked in. Probably Raikkonen if he keeps up his current form, or a shock promotion for Leclerc if he's just stunning in the Sauber. In the and Leclerc is driving very well. He's driving well. You'd imagine they want to give him another year. Maybe Grosjean's Haas seat they might target for 2019 as a kind of interim step. And then Red Bull, it's going to be Verstappen and Ricardo. Yeah, and obviously that kind of locks in the rest of things because Renault will probably stick with what they've got. I guess there's always the possibility with Renault and Alonso move there. That's the the one that people tend to kind of ignore as a as a possibility. Chances are Alonso probably will stay with McLaren. It seems at the moment. Well, McLaren give him so much leeway to do what he wants uh, now. I think exactly. That he would just is he better off going to Renault when they're kind of equivalent point with McLaren? I think if he were to go to not. Renault, it would be a question of them really convincing him they're going to make that that leap and that step. But um, yeah, I, I think Renault's progress, even if it continues, is probably the upward curve is probably a little too gradual to be of any benefit to Alonso. Yeah, if if that team's going to win races and championships again in the future. He might he might be quite an old man by the time that they do it. And as Ben says, I think the key is the amount of flexibility McLaren will give give him. You know, if he wants to if he wants to try some more sports car races uh, in the future, we know he's doing the full WEC season at the moment. But if he wants to do that, if he wants to do another IndyCar race, if he wants to do something else that we haven't even thought of, uh, I get the impression that kind of Zach Brown and, and the management at McLaren are going to allow that to happen to keep him on board. And at this stage in his career, he would probably take that. He's not going to take that over a Mercedes drive, you know, guaranteed race winning car. But if it's that or maybe another sort Midfield of team that's team. on the rise, yeah. he hasn't really got time for that. Fat Van Dorn's probably more vulnerable, isn't he, in the second McLaren? Yeah, I see Van, that, yeah. Van Dorn's been a little bit he hasn't really kicked this on, season, I don't yeah. think, so much. Not as much as you'd hope based on how he got things together towards the end of 17. To, to me, it seems that he, Grosjean, Ericsson, Hartley, they look like the most vulnerable drivers further down the grid in terms of keeping their seats for next year based on current form. The Van Dorn situation, I think, is a bit of a shame because you know, we have these drivers who, who come up through the ranks and they've got phenomenal reputations. And I think he was one of the kind of top-tier guys through the junior ranks. You know, you look at people who've come in with success like Hamilton had, like Hulkenberg had, even Grosjean. We've seen it with uh, Bianchi in the past, Magnussen, Carlos Sainz, all these guys, championship winners at the at the top level just underneath F1 in various guises. And he just ended up at McLaren at a really bad time. You know, we've just talked about how awful McLaren's situation yeah. was at the start of 2017 when and they finally called really him up. And a tough teammate too. And that's the thing. that There's something about Fernando Alonso that, yes, he is capable when it's really bad of um, mainly providing radio entertainment and maybe not giving it everything. But every now and then he gets so fed up with his situation that he digs even deeper and finds something else phenomenal inside of himself. And I think there's been a bit of that. There was that at times last year and there's been that at times this year where he is he is going to be frustrated at the McLaren chassis not being all it's been hyped up to be. But at the same time, he's just dragging it by the scruff of the neck at times into positions that even he said it necessarily doesn't deserve to be in. And Van Dorn kind of 
needs to get on board with that, which is an incredibly tough ask, or he becomes exposed, which I think he has been so far this year. Yeah, it's a shame for Van Dorn. I think he's got a lot, a lot of ability, but obviously you've got Lando Norris as well, pressing. Knocking on the door. Uh, he's Definitely. doing doing well in uh, doing well in F two, and you know he could very very easily win the F two title this year, which would then create a big big question mark. He's leading the championship as, well, as Van Dorn. Van Dorn won GP two, didn't he? And was made to wait a year. Went, went yeah, to I, did, did I, form, get, I guess Norris should expect him to go to Super Formula, wouldn't you? For one more for one more year in the junior categories in inverted commas. If, but there's if no so question that Norris is knocking on the door. Absolutely, you know, he, he's and another driver who's delivered on the hype at every level that he's been at. And there will come a point where McLaren have either got to let him go somewhere else, whether that's on loan, as the, the terminology that Red Bull have used with Carlos Sainz Jr. Or they've got to just let him go. And they can only let him go if they've got total faith in Van Dorn because Alonso's not going to be around forever. And at some point, McLaren need to know who their next guy is. Yeah, I think ideally they, they want it to be Van Dorn Norris, don't they? But there's this overlap point where you just don't know what Alonso's going to do. I think the other driver we have to consider in the, in the market speculation is Perez, of course. Sergio Perez perennially able to take his Mexican sponsors and strong... R- regular point scoring abilities to he's a valuable asset teams. in more ways than one to a midfield team isn't he and that's not just because of the money it's because he is now experienced at driving in that area of the grid and often capitalizing on uh what's going on ahead of him you know, it's, it can't be coincidence that during this v6 hybrid era of engines whenever one of the conventional teams that should be taking podium places mess it up it's it's not only always force india that get the podium it's always perez that is the, the guy that does it for them. And that shows that he's got a knack to deliver that sort of thing. It's not coincidence. And I think that makes him incredibly valuable to a lot of those teams who are in a really tight midfield now. He'd be looking at that Renault drive, I think. If there's some, if by some circumstance Renault can't get They've sight. spoken to him before, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, and there was a good chance that he would have joined instead of Hulkenberg um, at the end of 16. But he decided, oh, Force India's in a, in a better place now, so I don't need to worry about that. But now you look at the trajectory Renault's on, he'll be looking at his former teammate Hulkenberg and maybe thinking, well, you know, there's, there's always money problems at Force India and it affects their ability to update the car sometimes. Renault, so far, doesn't seem like they're in that same kind of trouble. So Renault might, have jumped Force India unquestionably, they have, I yeah, think. I think overall. So And, and they get on well, him and Hulkenberg, as, as teammates did it at Force India, so... It would be good for it would be a good option for for Renault if they don't manage to pull off their their plan A, which seems to be science. If you look further back, you know all of these teams are delayed by what happens with the, with the big three teams, so they all kind of wait. But further back, you've got questions about what Toro Rosso are going to do. Obviously, they'd quite like to have a Japanese driver in there. Yeah, uh, but they they need one. Well, Honda would like they, them too. Well, they, Honda they, would like one. They but need they, one with enough super license points, don't they? That's exactly, which problem. is the big uh, which is the big challenge. Obviously, uh, Fukuzumi is the is the kind of the obvious one, but still needs the the super license points in order to be able to uh, to get into that car. And, and, and George Russell as well, I suppose he's probably worth a mention. There's been a, a bit of noise about how he might step into a Force India at some point if he if he does well. But it doesn't look like his F two season is going great at the moment. But if he if he pulls it out of the bag and ends up pushing Norris all the way, then he's got to be making a case for promotion to Mercedes as well. So, Yeah, exactly. I think there's kind of a bit of a queue there, isn't it? Yeah. So it may well be just the Ocon. It kind of requires those guys who are outside of F1 at the moment, people like Norris and, and Russell, they've got to build some real momentum. And then suddenly that makes a lot of those guys Ben mentioned earlier incredibly vulnerable. Um, and I, I guess the next one we come to is Grosjean, who's having, you know, He's having a fl- he's been a bit flaky recently. We, you know, we all know what he's capable of, but 
you know, he's in, he's in a bit of a rut at the moment. Kevin Magnussen seems to have got his feet under the table at Haas. He's much more comfortable there. He's working well with the team. He's finally got a second season in the same team and he's reaping the benefits of that. So suddenly Grosjean, who at times, you know, we've always talked about, could he end up, has he gone to Haas because it's away into Ferrari? That seems really far away at the moment. And the question surrounding him is actually, does he stay at Haas? Yeah, I think Haas will be hanging back to see who uh, who's left when uh, when things start to shake out. I think it feels like there are enough drivers to go around in the F one midfield at the moment, which is quite a good position, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, if if you need to get a good high level driver, you can find one, which is which is promising, even if you don't need to worry about the whole uh, whole budget budget side. And obviously, Sauber will appeal to people now as well, given how well they're they're going this year. You know, if Leclerc does get moved around, there could be a space generated there. Ericsson's an interesting one because he, he has had a pretty good season overall. I think his drive in the race at Monaco was pretty good, even though qualifying wasn't at Leclerc's level. So, again, he's not a mug and he's got backing behind him. But there's been that switch since Baku, hasn't there? Leclerc talked about adapting to the style yeah. of Formula 1, not driving the car in the same way he did in F2, moving more towards an understeer setup. And he seems to have clicked since that race and... His performances have been outstanding and Ericsson's have just been okay. Whereas earlier in the season, while Leclerc was still working those things out, Ericsson looked relatively much stronger. One thing you have to wonder about Leclerc, we mentioned earlier, could he get bumped up to, to Haas in the future, maybe as an interim step? The bigger the ties come between um, Ferrari and Sauber, arguably Sauber is the place that Ferrari would rather keep him. If that team's going to keep moving forward, if Ferrari are going to put their investment there, yes, there's a technology share with Haas, but you almost wonder if the place they'd rather keep keep building him up to what should be taking Raikkonen's seat one day would be the Alfa Romeo-branded Sauber team, perhaps, rather than... I don't think it's necessarily... There's not a Ferrari pecking order no. where it's like Haas a team B and Sauber a team C. I don't think it's that straightforward. No, it's just you just base that on the current competitive order wouldn't you it all depends on how well Sauber progresses now it seems to be settling down if they get to the point towards the end of the season where they're capable of fighting with Haas on performance then you'd say well keep Leclerc where he is to build on the foundations but if Sauber is still kind of a little bit off the back of the midfield in that kind of Williams region rather than genuinely fighting with those teams then you you might say well we need to move him on to give him that extra pressure of stepping up and occasionally fighting for Q3 spots. And um, There's a different pressure further up the grid, isn't there? It's not just exactly, a case of yeah. you're quick in this car, you'll be quick in this car at the front as well. Yeah, that's what they'll want to see. And if Sauber's capable of, of giving him that in his second season, then fine, no, no need to change. But at the moment, you would say, well, he'd need probably somewhere else to go to prove that to Ferrari. There's a few wild cards around the place as well. You know, who knows what Lance Stroll might do? Clearly, the relationship with Williams is a bit shaky at the moment, given it's how well the radio is Williams incredible at the moment. If you listen to some of the radio traffic going on, yeah, it's, and Williams. it's not great. And for example, I think it was on Saturday in his his little press brief from a few people on to asking questions. He was being very short in his answers. Stroll, He's, it's a shame really because it. I I think there's more to Lance Stroll than people give him credit for but I almost feel like he's living down to his reputation at the moment like you sort of think come on he's becoming the stereotype I think that people had created about him and we, we've, we've tried to say look this is a guy who has delivered in the junior ranks you know he has won he's won championships he showed some pedigree yes he's got a lot to learn in Formula 1 it's not all about the money though is it he's actually done a good job yeah, yeah. but now he's sort of in a position where he is sulking he does appear yeah. to be creating a downward spiral for himself and he's almost in a situation where he's he's, he's making Sirotkin look good and Sirotkin could 
quite easily put him in the shade as this year goes on. And that's that's unacceptable for Stroll, really, because he's got the experience advantage and should be more ingrained in that team. The big thing for me was at the last race in Monaco, I mentioned the radio there. The big one was at one point, I think, during a practice session, Lance is driving and he says, give me some feedback. He's driving, He's going around. And the team's response was, you give us some feedback first. So I think there's that that was a real sign of tension for me that maybe Lance is there going, tell me what the car's doing, tell me what's going on, tell me what you're going to change. And the team are kind of going, well, you're the guy in the car. We want some guidance from you. You need to know what's going on so we can give you what you want. And they just, yeah. Chicken first or egg first? <laughs> Chicken first <laughs> but or it's, egg but it's first. it's also made worse by the fact that Sorotkin, who's kind of, he's got engineer training. So he's not an engineer, but he is by training, if you see what I mean. So he's really got into the spirit of working with a team. He spends a lot of time at the factory. So he's like the kind of team's dream driver in that Sorotkin accepts it's difficult, but he's trying to do what he can to contribute. So that makes Stroll's situation look He's going to be a bit worse. more grateful coming in this year as a rookie, I guess. Stroll can there, feel the downward that. step that Williams have taken from last year. I can understand why that's difficult. But yeah, I think that's a perfect point. I if think you're that's a profe- he's, really he's still got to be professional about it. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's not being at the moment. He seems to have gone into slightly sulky child mode, but... That is the key thing. I think he, okay, his qualifying form was poor really throughout last season, but I think he felt the car was good enough that if he drove well in the races, and he did in many races, he could get a good result. There were one or two performances that were really outstanding. His qualifying lap in the wet at Monza was really something special. And he's probably thinking, right, a bit like uh, we mentioned Ricardo 2014 to 2015 in, in uh, previous podcasts, you know, the mental side of dealing with expectations, not, you know, not matching with the reality. I think Stroll probably thought, well, Williams are okay. We're fighting for Q3 if we get everything together. So we're going to do that again this year at least. And they've gone so far backwards. I just don't think he's been able to cope with that step where Sirotkin comes in new and fresh and he's just taking everything as it comes. And that's that's better for his head, isn't it? And it'll be interesting to see what happens with Stroll, whether there's an attempt to put that backing elsewhere. You know, a team like Force India would be somewhere that would be potentially of interest to go to and there's other drivers around Nicholas Latifi's an F2 you know setting aside the fact that his father Michael has brought into McLaren he's a driver who's potentially got the backing to to get an F1 seat he needs the super license points he's down in 10th and F2 at the moment so that's probably not going to happen but he could easily get high up, up enough to get to get the points so that that will be an interesting one there's always drivers who come along with a little bit of backing who could uh, who could make things uh, make things interesting but coming back to the start it all cascades down from from the big names, doesn't it? And, and what happened? So I think just a final question is uh, to come back to the point about the, the, the engine, the engine market. Does everybody think it's going to be a Red Bull Honda next year? Anybody going to say they think Renault's more likely? Personally, I think, I think, I think it's going to be Red Bull Honda. I think Red Bull Honda. I'll say Renault partly just to be different and partly because I was thinking it, it's, I think it's still a toss up for me and I'm not necessarily sure they're going to get concrete evidence uh, in time for when they've got to make the decision i think they're probably going to go oh that canada update was a little bit underwhelming or it's really unreliable and they're going to go you know what let's just stick it out with renault we'll win the races when we can you know the back end of last year they had a renault engine and they won in malaysia and mexico so it's not it's not like they're confined just to monaco for the next couple of years where they can win a race the chassis is much better than it was at the start of last year, and, and even at the end of last year, you know, Rebel are closer now with Renault. I think people often play the percentages in Formula One, and I, I think the percentage play here is Renault for another couple of years, and just keep winning some races, and 
being frustrated behind the scenes. <laughs> I think they'll wait a little bit longer. I think they'll say, okay, we want to, we want to see how long Canada. McLaren waited. Yeah, I think year. I think they won't make the call just based on Canada if it's inconclusive. They might do. They might say, oh, this date is great. Let's just do it. Yeah, I think I'm, they might just push it a bit. If there's some question marks, they might push it a bit further back and say, oh, okay, let's see how they get on top of this now. How long will Renault give later. them? Well, Renault. Do they even have the, a choice about how long they give Red Bull? Renault, Red Bull feel, it feels like Red Bull think they can just bank a Renault engine regardless. Yeah, so I think Renault, them, really. Renault are trying to make noises to put the pressure on, but I think they, they've got a little bit more leeway. I don't think it's ever going to be quite as simple as like the Canada upgrades works. You sign a dotted line straight away, but I think probably it would start, if it works well, it'll start the process. So it'll, it'll have to be take a little bit of time to get things. Uh, Conversations so that, already but, going on, aren't they? Because exactly, yeah, yeah, and people yeah. have been out to Japan. You know, whatever happens, I think they've got to have it sorted really by the time they get into the August break, otherwise that's just getting a bit, a little bit too late. I know the the McLaren Renault deal and all like that switch around with Honda against Toro Rosso was only announced in September in Singapore. It was it, it was, was in the works a long it time. It was finalised, but yeah. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I think it'd be good for Formula One if Red yeah, Bull I like does the do that. idea of a Red Bull because, Honda. I think I, that'd be great. I think we can be confident that if Red Bull does go with Honda, it would be for good, fa- good sound reasons. You know, Adrian Newey's not going to be part of a, a flight of fancy of, of, of this nature. Uh, so I think that would Nor be the, the most positive thing. You know, Max Verstappen hasn't signed a big money long-term contract to be the, the centre point of a team that's going to take a punt on its engine. So that, you know, there's pressure on the driving side as well, I think. There's so much riding on this for Red Bull. I think you're absolutely right, Ed. It's, it's, it's not, I described it as a toss-up. It's not going to be decided on a toss of a coin here. You know, there's, there's so much at play for Red Bull. Yeah. I, th- I, think, I think Red Bull... We're looking at it. Honda need to give Red Bull a reason not to sign with them. Whereas I think Red Bull already has its reasons for not continuing with Renault. They don't, I don't think they feel that's ever going to change. So it's essentially, well, we've got an all right situation, but it's massively frustrating and we could lose races that we should win, potentially. Whereas Honda, yes, it's a gamble, but all the signs probably suggest it's the collaboration you could do, all the extra work you could do would be better overall. It's just whether there's some nagging doubt that means you go, oh, actually step away just imagine what it'd be like at red bull if the honda upgrade goes and it doesn't work and it's blowing up and it's all sorts of everything oh no a few more years a few more years of this uh, of this pain as it looks all and then what will ricardo do <laughs> well exactly then it all goes around again well you'll be able to keep track of all of this and who's going to do what etc how the upgrades are going etc on autosport.com we'll have all the news and coverage and in-depth features in our plus subscriber area over the Canadian Grand Prix weekend, so so keep an eye on that. Check out also Autosport Magazine, out every Thursday, and sister title, F1 Racing. Also head to sister website, motorsport.com. Thanks very much for joining us. We'll be back soon with another Autosport podcast. Music is 6am by Trilo, written by Marcus Simmons. See soundcloud.com forward slash Trilo Music.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.